Thank you, Andrew. Um, I've lost the mic. There you are. Is that better? Hear me now. The word is koinonia, or because, like most English people, people speaking English, uh, we end up just calling it koinonia, right, by the Greek pronunciation. So I want to talk about that today. And, and there's a passage I want us to read together. It's from Ephesians 4, 17 to 24, and then we'll go through it, and then I'll bring in the whole idea of what koinonia means to us, and, and how everybody here practices it, whether you, you believe it or not. We're all part of this, and even though we don't know the word, it's an experience we all have. So, do you want to read this from Ephesians 4, 17 to 24 with me? We'll all say it together. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They become callous and have given themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now I want to concentrate initially on the first part and I want us to do that one. You know this says, do not walk and you know Paul was a Jew so everybody who was a non-Jew is a Gentile so everybody else that would include us. Do not walk in the futility of their minds. I know this they are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God. Now, what's important about that, the word for futility, the Greek word matiotis, and it means futility, vanity, emptiness, unreality, purposelessness, ineffectiveness, instability. That's how this word can be translated. And when the Apostle Paul was writing this to the, the church in Ephesus, this is how a lot of people are living their life. This is the basis of their life. Now, they may have ideas that they think are right, but underneath there is a futility in their mind. Now, what's important about this, and I often quote this verse when I'm speaking, because to me, it's a key verse. If you can understand this and the principle of this, you go a long way to understanding the whole purpose and nature of the Christian gospel. For the creation, Paul says, 
waits in eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Notice this now. What is what it says there? The creation was subjected to subjected to futility. That's the same Greek word. It was subjected to not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. That means that creation didn't want to be futile, but God has subjected it to futility for a purpose. And the purpose is here in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In other words, everything outside God is going to be futile. Everything you do ultimately will be futile. Now, we've all experienced that. True, uh, please don't, I, hey, I stand up here and I'm looking for a reaction. Yes, you understand what it is to do stuff and you think, my goodness, my goodness. And you can understand, especially as we move into crisis that, that we're talking about and you're being pumped all the time into you, the cost of living crisis, you can see how this futility is going to, to, to rise in people. Now, Paul says that they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. Now, this is what's going to cause futility, ultimately. Alienated means simply separate. God here, humanity's here. God has never moved, but humanity has moved. We're separated. Not only that, because of the ignorance that's in them. Now, that's not, you know, I, I can be up at the shops like everybody else here, somebody barges in the queue and you think, oh, what an ignorant person. It's not that kind of ignorance. It's the ignorance of just not understanding what is really going on. The ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Remember I spoke about the, the parable of the sower the last time I spoke, those who were here, and I said there was hard ground hard ground and how I talked about how you know in life people walk upon us we can't help it you know it, it's it's like being on a dance floor that's too small and it's packed with people you can't help but bump into people that's what life is like and you bump into people and people do things to you they fail you they, they let you down you know, sometimes they're abusive to you. All this kind of stuff. And it's equivalent to people walking on the hard ground and the seed cannot penetrate. Paul says that hardness is in so many of us. The hardness leads to something. And what it leads to is an alienation. And people are alienated from God. Right? They're cut off from the life of God. But that has consequences. The second one is... In a sense, you're alienated from yourself. Right? You're alienated from yourself. In the 80s, 70s, 80s, probably the 70s, more, lots of you were here, everybody was trying to find themselves. Do you remember that period? Yes. How many folk here tried to find themselves and never found them? <laughs> right? They were always looking for this. If you go and 
suddenly inside you there's got to be this wee golden ball, oh, it's me, <laughs> right? And you would go to India, you'd do everything, you'd be a happy, <laughs> you know, I can all remember 1968-69, if you're going to San Francisco, be sure to wear a flower in your hair. For all those younger than that, that was the big thing, Scott McKenzie, and it was flower power, everybody was trying to find, but you're alienated from yourself, and you just don't really know who you are. And you find that in life generally. One minute you feel you're this and then you're amazed at how somebody else seems to be. You, you know how we often talk about personality, but sometimes we find we can be different personalities in different settings. And that's because inside we're really alienated from who we are. The third thing there is others. It's amazing. It's amazing just how we can be separate yet in a crowd, yes? You ever been lonely in a crowd? Yeah? You ever been lonely? Used to sit in the pub. Be totally lonely, yet all your part, everybody's making noise. You're lonely, you're, you're cut off from everybody. And one of the things, when I became a Christian, I remember being at a supporters club, I always remembered how the ceiling almost came down. You know, I'd never noticed how low the ceiling was. And I was there, and you just realized you were just separate from everything. God was working to show me something. Not only that, we end up being separated. What's your purpose in life? What's your purpose? I, I, when I retired, I was determined that I'm not going to be just waiting till around in a waiting room till I die. God's still got a purpose for me. That's good news, isn't it? Uh, but it's amazing how many folk will go through life and you ask them the deep fundamental questions. Why do you get up in the morning? Why do you go to your work? Why do you spend eight hours maybe hating something, come back, then just simply want to vanish into the, 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 the ethereal, ether type thing? What, what, what's life about? We'll lose purpose. And all that is stemming from, they're darkened in their understanding because we've got futility in the mind. And eventually, it's creation. Creation itself. And, and what happens? We become cut off from everything. You see, being cut off from God, it's not just simply you, you don't know God. It affects every area of our lives. And you notice how people are alienated. You notice how as, as our societies, as we grow in the West more and more away from any idea of God, you notice what happens. We're suddenly breaking up into wee groups. You've got this community, you've got that community, you've got that community. And everybody's a against each other. We look at America and they call it the culture wars. That's happening here. It's going to develop more here. The whole culture war. Because people are separated. They're alienated. And that's incredibly important. The problem with that is it becomes destructive and self-destructive behavior. I was reading this yesterday. It's 
I'm going through a wee pilgrimage in my own life. I'm going through books that I read in the 70s and early 80s. Going back to people with a big profound influence in my life. This is a guy called Tom Marshall who was a, an Australian. He was very much involved in the Australian area. And he wrote these series of booklets. And I was reading this. It's, this part's on Living Free, Release of the Emotions. And I thought, now this is what I'm saying tomorrow. So I wanted just to read something to you. Because this really captures how when destructive behaviour and self-destructive it's not an accident that people are, are self-harming and doing all this stuff. It's not an accident. It's because futility is very powerful in the life. He said, he goes through things, how people have a euphoria, they're excited today and tomorrow they're in the pits of, of depression. And the, he says, lacking an integrating principle, man is under severe tension. In many cases, he is coming apart at the seams, yeah? You felt that? I have. Even as a Christian. Because you see, God's principle is subject things to futility and the hope that people will say, only God can do this. And that's a principle that goes through the whole of life. And sometimes God will take you through a dark place in order simply to show you that he's the answer. And you haven't got the answers, even in yourself, no matter how competent you may think you are. In many cases, coming apart, it seems, his mind pulls him one way, his feelings the other. His bodily appetite seeks satisfaction. His conde conscience condemns him. And this is a lovely phrase. His spirit cries out after a God his mind refuses to acknowledge you capture that truth that people are crying out I want the answer but the mind because it's in futility because it's captured the mind is busy saying I do not acknowledge God and that's where humanity tends to be the result is an unbearable inner strife now this was written in 1975 so the phrase that I'm going to say was new, but it's now commonplace. It says, the result is unbearable inner strife. We even talk of people breaking down under it all. That was a new phrase, that people would break down. That's a common phrase now, isn't it? Yeah, is that now common now that you hear it all the time? Oh, they had a breakdown. In 1975, that was quite an unusual phrase to use in people. And what I'm trying to say here is we've got to understand that we're all involved in something. Now, this is where we come. What is koinonia or koinonia? Well, basically, it's this. It's translated fellowship. It translated communion. And it's translated participation. So when you have communion, you have koinonia. That's where the word communion comes from. The, the thing probably we know, you know, the grace, may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 
That word for fellowship can be translated communion, or what I like to translate it is participation. <laughs> the participation of the Holy Spirit. That is what koinonia means. Now, how do we work this out? In the book of Hosea, in the Old Testament, God criticized the leadership of the nation. And he criticized the priests and all the religious leaders and that. And his criticism was this. You're leaving my people in ignorance. What? You're leaving them in ignorance. And he said this in Hosea 4, 6, through the prophet, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now think about that. That even as a Christian, you can end up having a substandard Christian life because you lack understanding and you lack the knowledge of what is going on. With me on that one? And he said that the leadership, the priests, the folk who should have been showing the people, demonstrating what it was all about, the people were perishing because of lack of knowledge. In another part, in the southern kingdom, a man called Jeremiah, he was a prophet, and he was criticizing Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, all the things were going on, adultery, child sacrifice, cheating, everything that you see now, nothing is new under the sun, said, said Solomon. Nothing new. And all the things were going on, and it was sin after sin after sin after sin. Then God stopped the prophet Jeremiah by saying this, my people have committed two sins. Wait, wait now, wait now. They're killing each other, that's a sin. And they're doing this, that's a sin. They're doing this, that's a sin. They're doing this, they're doing that. No, my people have committed two sins. Now, this is where we can perish because lack of knowledge. Because we can concentrate on the sins and all the stuff and not understand that from God's perspective, there's only two things that are wrong. And notice what he says. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. Jesus is going to come many years later and say that he's going to bring water. It's going to be a spring that bubbles up inside us and out of us will flow rivers of living water. Right, that's going to happen. And the second sin, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Now, when I first became a Christian, there's a hymn. I don't know if you know an old revival hymn, I've tried the broken cisterns, Lord. Yeah, anybody heard that? Well, where I was, I, I, I sat there and I heard that. And, you know, the only cisterns I knew was in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, and I, for the life of me, I'm busy trying to say, what's it? What's a cistern? But a cistern was a big kind of place where they kept all the water for the city. And so the real, we, we call them now reservoirs. But in the cities, it would be cisterns. Now, God takes that picture. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Right? Now, think of this, right? Translate, instead of spring of living water, what if you put something like koinonia 
Our koinonia is a gift of God. What of this sin is, they have rejected the koinonia that I am offering them. Think about that. I am offering them fellowship. I am offering them communion. And I am offering them participation in my life. Remember the sin. The sin, the futility of the mind, it came through darkened understanding and they were away from the life of God. And because the life of God's not there, all the other stuff comes in. And what if instead of broken cisterns, what if you just talked about created koinonia? What if there's such a thing as a koinonia that human beings create? About pre-COVID, um, we all talk about pre-COVID. I used to go into my mum and dad. They, they were older and they, they lived through the war. Dad was prison war and all that. But they would always talk about, oh, before the war. And I'd go, oh, gosh, I'm finding I'm going up before COVID. <laughs> yes, I, you all doing it? Yes, before COVID. Well, before COVID. And we'll go through the cost of living. Well, before the cost of living crisis. You know, and I think every generation must have its crisis and everybody talks about pre and post kind of thing. Well, I, 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 I was visiting my sister in Edinburgh and I, I popped down to my old haunts on Gorgie Road. And there was a pub, I went into this pub called Stratford's and sat with an orange juice. And I just sat there because from 17... Well, most of us, we all know, we never waited till we were 18 till we went in pubs, yes. We always went in long before that time, just, and, 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 and what happened was, that was a local. And you know, you could always tell people, people always said, oh, he drinks in this place, he drinks in that, he drinks here, he drinks there. And, and what was, was, I suddenly realised I was sitting there, this was a koinonia, that I had created. This became the place where I came and sat and had communion, I had fellowship, and I had participation. And it wasn't bad, you know, it, was, it, it kept me sane. And, and I think I shared once on, on tape, you know, the other big coin in here thing for me was I was brought up in an orange family. And so at 16, I joined the Orange Lodge. Went on, became a lecturer. I used to initiate people into the first degree of the Orange Order. I went into the blacks, doing all the degrees, had my, mace, my, my apron, everything. And that was a koinonia. It gave me meaning. gave me purpose. I had fellowship. I had communion. I had participation. And God had this, I think I've shared on tape, but God has this funny sense of humour. Fifty years later, a nun walks into Easter House, comes up to me and says, Sandy, you're such a great friend of St. Benedict's, the chapel, because I knew them all intimately, and, and they would invite me to everything. And she says, we want you to be our guest to go and see the Pope. <laughs> and I sat in Bella Houston Park, Right? And I thought, I wonder how many folk could say that they'd walked in Belfast to the field 
Trinity a couple of years. He'd done the Belfast walk. And they're also sitting in the field in Bella Houston Park with flags. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. And it was interesting. I walked out of church last week. Met a guy I hadn't seen for 12 years. A guy called Eddie. He was a deacon in St. Paul's. He was one of the deacons who served at the, the, the mass that the, the Pope did. And we've got on like a house on fire for years. We used to meet for prayer and everything. And, and I just think, well, what changed in my life? Well, all these things were created koinonia, koinonia. Follow what I mean here. I created it. They made sense of the world for me. But one day, I met with Jesus. And I received a gift of koinonia. And I ended up leaving the lodge and everything. I still have lots of friends. It was really quite weird. I never condemn anything now, whether it's Catholic, whether it's Andrew. I don't because all that happened was I think I touched real koinonia, what it really was. Follow me here. I'm, I'm touching it's a real stuff. And all the other stuff just kind of withered away. And it was a strange thing because my whole life revolved around, same with football, my whole life revolved around it. I still love football, but it's not the center. It's not the place of meaning for me because it's a gift of koinonia and, and I often wonder even we can create the church and make that our creative koinonia that's why coming to church is wonderful it's great everything but the essence of being here is to meet with Jesus that's the true koinonia that God wants to give every single person here fellowship communion participation in his life. That's the good news of the Christian gospel. And it, it's not about, you know, get rid of this, get rid of that. No, it's about tasting and experiencing the real koinonia and finding the other stuff just wanting. You know, and, and that's something that, that it's there. And I think, see that picture there, that summarized where I was in my life. And whenever you create koinonia, you open a door and you think, this is it. And you just think you're banging your head or hitting a brick wall nonstop. True. Please tell me I'm not the only one. True, yes. Because that's not where the life is. And you see, the, the whole thing of koinonia is God wants to give us this fellowship, communion, and participation. Alienated from God becomes having koinonia in the life of God. You've got to understand this. This is what's on offer. It's really basically a choice of what kind of life are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the culture, everything that you've learned? Are you going to, even church life, are you going to participate in that? That what might be in a sense like, eventually just a brick wall or are you going to participate in the life of 
God. That's what becoming a Christian means. You know, for all the paraphernalia, it's essentially this. God wants to invite you into his life and to enjoy your life in him. And that's important. And so fellowship, communion, participation ends up with fellowship, communion with God, with ourselves, right? That, that begins to integrate us. Other people begin to see other people differently. Begins our purpose changes. We suddenly are not wandering aimlessly. And the third thing, and the last thing is creation. And again, another favorite verse that I have. These are the verses I carry around with me all the time. Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, We are, everybody here is God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. When did God prepare the good works? Tell me. Beforehand, that we should what? Walk in them. Participate in them. And that's that's the good news of the Christian gospel. Right? That you don't have to live in futility. Life doesn't have to be the big mess and the, you know, kind of almost singing Negro spirituals all the time and being totally, totally kind of, it's a hard, 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 no. You may have hardship, but it's a life of joy and peace and love. And that's what God is wanting to give us. I want to end by us reading this passage, right? And you'll notice it's got you become partakers of the divine nature. Partakers comes from the koinonia family, right? It's coming out of that root word. It's the same word, right? And I want us to read it, right? We'll read this together and then I'm going to do something. Okay, read it with me. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That's a message to the church that God wants to give koinonia to the Christian church, to us, as we all gather together. I want to just do something, and you notice I've changed the us to me, (laughs) right? Because I want to make this very personal, right? And I want you to read it now. And this pertains to you and to me. This is what is on offer to you this morning. What is on offer, maybe like... The people in Hosea's time, well, I was a wee bit ignorant of all this stuff. But this is what is on offer to you, regardless who you are, regardless of the mess your life is in, regardless of how everybody's thinking about you, focus said about you, etc. Regardless of all that stuff, this is what's on offer. And this is yours. Remember I said to you that, that God and man are separate. God's never moved. It's been human beings who have moved. And the key is that God simply wants you to come back into communion, fellowship, participation, koinonia with him. 
So make this our prayer, right? And we're going to say it's granted to me. And it's not for the person next to you because there's something about us all. If I said to everybody here, God has just revealed to me, God is going to give everybody here a gift except one person. Guess who the one person would be? Who would think it would be themselves, yeah? True? Right? Most of us would think, oh dear, I knew there was a cat. No, this is for everyone. Let's read it together. His divine power has granted to me all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called me to be his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to me his precious and very great promises so that through them I may become a partaker of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Let's just pray. Father, I pray simply for all of us, myself included now, that the truth of these words that we've read now, that they might just simply penetrate deep. That we have been called to be participators in your life. You've called us to walk with you, to have fellowship with you. And you've called us to have communion with you and to participate in your life. I pray for everyone here now. May that come into being. And as you hear the heart cries of the people, you know where we all are. I ask now for the Holy Spirit to come and to release upon us as a fellowship and individually to release upon us now the koinonia, which is the gift of God, the spring of living water. Let it come now upon us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.